flick that up. There you go. All right. So that's on now? Now it's on. We were told we had to hold the mics like pop stars, like up at our mouths. Like this? So we're going to pop star this morning. At least we don't have to fight over the microphone. That's good. Yeah, no, we don't have to fight over it. Because then I never get it. Because we do that. This way we can interrupt each other, you know, without having to grab the mic out of the other one's hand. (sighs) Anyway. Wow. So good to be here. I'm going to try not to cry. But for those of you who know, that's it. There it goes. There we go. (laughs) And she's off. (laughs) (laughs) I'm still all like, holy spirit. It was... uh, Wow, amazing to be here and worship with all of you and like see this crowd and these faces, new ones and old ones and people visiting from far away. And Mostly we <sighs> only get to see the back of your heads yes. from the screen when we're watching yeah, TV. Yeah, exactly. We do tune in in Brazil. <clears throat> um, but being here the last couple times, you know, it was also really kind of COVID-y and people weren't hugging and it was weird. So it's a verb now. Yeah, COVID is a verb. Uh, but anyway, we are like super, super happy to be here. Yes. And, uh, and just share with you a little bit about what's been going on in Brazil and um, just what we see God uh, doing there um, and what we get the awesome privilege of participating in because it really is a get to. We're, we're pretty blessed. Um, so today we want to talk to you about the weight of hope. Um, and for those of you who don't know us and are new here, um, so who are we and what do we do? <laughs> I'm Jen. This is Phil. We're the Snells. We have two kids over here that are now grown up people, Luke and Faith. You may, they're in the front now. They're going to be asked us not to point them out. No, so they're not sitting over here. Just ignore these two teenagers over here. Uh, anyway, we have been in Brazil for 11 years now. And for the last seven years, Um, We have been working with a ministry that we started called Hope Ministries, and we uh, reach out to women in prostitution there. So that's kind of the Cole's notes on what we do. But we basically, we we meet women where they are at on the street um, and just bring the love of Jesus to them um, and in their homes and basically build relationships with them and become friends and get to know who they are uh, beyond what it is that they do. And today being Mother's Day, uh, one of the connections with these women is that 99% of them, I would say probably almost 100% of them, are women. Are, are women. Are, well. <laughs> they are women. Uh, are mothers. Are mothers. And uh, the driving motivation for what they do is their children, is to provide for their children. Um, so a lot of people sort of wonder, like, because there are no, there are no pimps, um, Technically, uh, in Brazil, that part of it is illegal. Prostitution is legal. Um, But so it's for a lot of people, they're like, well, why don't you just sort of like take them out of there and give them a job, Um, which is a lot more complicated than it sounds. Um, But I'm going to borrow a phrase that I learned from my new my new friend, Catherine, um, that poverty is their pimp. That is the thing that keeps them there and keeps them coming back is poverty and the complications of all of the life of trauma that they have had that led them uh, to be where they are. Yeah, poverty is the thing that pushes them there and poverty is the thing that keeps them there. And so in that and in our ministry to that, sometimes it can feel a bit like climbing a mountain (laughs) where every step is pretty arduous and you feel like you're not really getting anywhere some days until you look behind you and you go, oh, we started down there. 
and now we're here. And so when we come back and we share what's going on, that's kind of like the stop on the, the, the trip up the mountain for us to look back and say, oh, okay, actually, <laughs> things are happening. But in the day-to-day, it's, uh, it can be hard to see that. And that's what we're going to do today, share with you where we've been. and So just to give you a little kind of update and a background of where we are, like Jen said, for about six, seven years, we've been going down to the street every week and meeting with these girls where they are. And now when we first started going down there, there was there could be anywhere between 30 or 40 women working on this one street. And at the time, we're only focusing on that one area. There's, there was other areas in the city, but that's where God sent us to, was this one area. And then, as we've been ministering over the years we start to see a decline. There was a big decline during COVID of how many women were on the street. And then we continued working down there. We opened Hope Center, which a lot of you heard about. We opened a house that was a drop-in center for the girls to come into during the day just to give them a break from their their day. And we had some medical help there, some specialties that would come in and help us. And we had a free clothing store and, and we would do all this stuff. But then we started to realize that the numbers on the street were reducing dramatically. So we went from maybe 40 women so we would go down there some days and there would be like three or one. And it, it's, it's the craziest thing because you get down there and you're like, oh, there's, no, there's no women down here today. And then you're like, oh, no, that's a good thing. <laughs> well, because we, like, we know them and we, you know, we want to see their faces, but we don't want to see their faces there. So. so we had Hope Center for a while. And then because the numbers started to, to really drop down, we started to notice fewer and fewer women were coming to Hope Center. So we really sort of prayed into it. And plus, because it wasn't being used as much, it was left empty. So it got broken into about four times as well, which was a bit of a pain. But, but we started to pray about it and realizing, okay, so maybe the location for this Hope Center had started to, to run its time. Because there's so few women down there, nobody was coming to Hope Center. So we decided it was time to close Hope Center and relocate somewhere else. So we still go down to that street and we still minister to the women on that street. But what we're looking at doing is we're looking at moving Hope Center. So we'd been praying about it for a while, and we knew there was an area in the downtown core of where we live, in Juan Pessoa, which nobody can say. Juan Pessoa. <laughs> so there's a, a core area in the middle of the city where there was a lot more women working. There were some brothels and stuff. And we really felt God saying, okay, your next step, because what we've done through this whole process is just keep praying, like, God, what do you want us to do next? Keep moving forward. So this was the next step, to start to go down there. So we would head down initially, just Jen and I and, and another girl would go down and just pray. Same as we did down at the beach as well. We would just go down, pray, and start to kind of just prepare praying the ground. Over the, just praying over the area, not yeah. actually approaching anyone yet, just kind of preparing the, the ground spiritually. So then we, uh, we started doing that for a while, and we felt, okay, so now we're moving towards a time of actually moving into actually starting to work in that area down there. So one of the things that we've always felt like is that we need more people. We need a team. We need people. And it just it, we, we do have a couple that we introduced some of you to last time, Wellington, Indiana, who work really closely with us. But we really wanted more people. And as soon as we started talking about going downtown, God started providing more people. So now we have a team. There's one guy missing in this photo, but we do have a team of seven of us. And they actually started going downtown when I was in uh, Nicaragua, which was actually really cool. I was super bummed that I wasn't there for the first time. But at the same time, I was so excited that it wasn't dependent on us. Like, we don't want this to be the Jen and Phil show, right? We want it to be like what God is doing through everybody and inviting other people into it. And so having this awesome team of people who all uh, love these women just as much as we do has been just fantastic. Um, so yeah, as Phil said, we started downtown 
And uh, one of the things when we were praying about it was that I sort of felt was that God showed me in this park where we start, there's this big pavilion. And he sort of showed me like almost like a sound wave just dropping down in this pavilion and then just rippling out. And we had no idea what the dynamics were in this downtown area. Um, So we just started going down there. We did start in that park. We felt like from that vision, that's where we're supposed to go. Well, now we understand that that park is kind of where things radiate out from. Um, So in that pavilion, there's drug dealing going on. There's women coming and going. There's men that we come across as well. But out from there is where women are also working on the streets. And then down the street, there is also, they're called bars, but they're actually brothels. And our our hope and our goal is that one day we're actually going to be able to get into those brothels. But it's tricky because there's, although there are not technically pimps, there are bar owners. And so what we need is a key to get in there. And I think last, like a week, the week before we left, we met a woman who has been working in those bars, not uh, prostituting herself, but selling food and snacks and drinks and things like that to people that are in there. So she knows all the owners of these places. So we're sort of praying that she could possibly be our key to, to start working into that area. But yeah, one of the things that's key is that we now have this awesome team. And so when we're here doing all of this stuff, they're still there doing all the other stuff. So it's amazing to have those people. Yes. Yay, God. Indeed. I mean, the, the, one of the cool things is, is with the team we've got, we've got to teach them how we, how we do stuff. And we find out continuously from the girls that we're working with is that nobody else there is doing it the way we do it. And that's just coming alongside, sitting down on the side of the curb and just talking, just being friends and just building a relationship. We hear lots of stories. There's other churches that like to do things and take food or clothing. But it's kind of like they drop the food and then run away. And if their husband's with them, they're like hiding their husband behind them like you know and and the girls actually say to us they're like (laughs) nobody does this nobody actually sits and talks to us and just treats us like human beings so we love that we get that from them and that we know that god's got us on the right track when we hear that kind of thing from the girls that we spend and then i mean there's plenty of times we literally have to drag the team away because we have something else to go and do and they're just well, and now they, the, the cool thing is we go every Wednesday to the downtown area, and now they've all gotten to know that, and they're all like, oh, it's Wednesday, they're coming today, and they'll see our car, and they're like, they're here, they're here. And uh, so it really, they've all said that it just, it brightens up their day, it brightens up their, their week, and I know from the girls on the beach in the first location that we were at, and when we had Hope Center open, a lot of times they would be like, after you guys have come, I can't work anymore, like I have to go home. Or they come to Hope Center, and they're like, I can't go, I can't go back to work, I'm going home. They're just kind of wrecked for the day in a good way. So that's basically we're starting the whole thing over again, still working down in the beach, but we're also starting this new thing downtown. And we're just kind of praying about where is the new Hope Center going to be? We know we're going to open one. We just don't know when and what it's going to look like. We might open two. We could open. There could be two. Yes, because as well as this downtown area that operates during the day, there's also another street called uh, Huadarea, means sand street. Um, And down that street at night is where there are probably about six or seven operating um, brothels at night. So what we would love to do, but it's up to Jesus, is have one that operates at night. That's a place where they can get a break from, you know, being in the brothel and just come and hang out and be prayed for and filled up. Um, Yeah. So that's the new downtown area. So that's kind of the, the very quick kind of overview of what we're doing specifically with the girls. But then, as ever, we keep praying about what we're supposed to do next. 
And we've started to move into some areas of prevention as well. And one of the big areas of prevention that we're doing is we've just started, we did our first two, is uh, we're doing seminars on pornography awareness. We see a direct link between prostitution and pornography. I mean, basically, there's a, the term's eyes is pornography is just prostitution with cameras. And then, like, I don't know the exact number, but I would say probably like 99.9999% of the guys that are coming down to be, to be with these girls have major issues or addictions with pornography. So we started looking into this, and we started doing the research, and it just gets deeper and deeper and becomes crazier and crazier. So we thought, well, we need to start talking about this because nobody's talking about this in the churches. <laughs> and all the pastors are like, thank you, yes, please, you be the one to come and talk about this because I don't want to do it. <laughs> so we set this, set this seminar up and we started doing all the research and then we offered it to some churches and they said, great, yeah, sure, come along. And we had no idea if anybody was going to show up. We had a thing, you had to sign up, but at one point we had three people signed up. I'm like, okay, we'll do it for three people, I don't care. <laughs> so then the day came and we came up and there was almost 50 people came. And it was really well received. So, and it's just, we're really getting into the the underbelly of just what it's doing to people and how it's affecting people. And we're just trying to shine a light on it, get the conversation started, helping the pastors to start the conversation in their church. So, and it's been extremely well received. It is, yeah. I mean, part of the thing about working within the prevention arm of this is that, um, you know, we can keep reaching out to women in the street and we, and we completely always will. But if we aren't looking at the ways that, um, that, that need is being created, then we're missing a major part of it. Um, so, yeah, the pornography seminars, and then the other thing we're looking at is... We're going to do... We're, we're, we're all constantly doing community outreach. So any of the girls we have connection with, if there's a way for us to meet them at home, meet their families, we're there. We're driving into the communities that nobody else will go into. And getting all our, lost. Yeah, getting lost. All our friends think we're insane. But it's to see people at home, to meet their families, meet their kids, meet their parents... Is, is just a much better way of building community and building, and you start to reach out to the younger generations that are there. And then we've talked about before, looking at kind of North American models for how to help these women is sometimes that we were thinking about opening in a long-term recovery center. So somewhere where the girls could come into, could spend six months in recovery and then help them adjust back into regular life. And that works really well here and in the U.S., but what we've seen in Brazil is we've started to see more and more girls leaving the street without a, a facility to do it. They're just doing it on their own accord. So we've started to have to adjust our thoughts because the environment and the culture we're in. So we've started to push that sort of thought aside. But what we are seeing is the foster care system and the orphanage system in Brazil is pretty rough. Scary. It's, it's really rough. It's horrible. Um, so what we see in that system is children coming through and then you've got girls that are getting to 18 years old and then they're just kicked out the door with nothing. There's no welfare system. There's mm -hmm. no, there is absolutely nothing. Yeah. So literally you've got this girl that's suddenly standing on the street with absolutely nothing to her name and nowhere to live. So we're seeing this and now we're starting to think, okay, if we are going to start to develop, because God kind of kept this idea in our heart about this home, about somewhere. Um, so we're thinking there's a possibility of a transition home for girls coming out of the wealth, out of the orphanage system, somewhere for them to go to be to be helped in training, finished in schooling, and just preparing them for a, like a, a stable, healthier lifestyle. So that's that's kind of always just hovering in the back there. We're not exactly sure 
what's happening with that yet, but... One step at a time. Yeah. That's just how we go. <laughs> we don't get a whole map laid out by Jesus. We just get like, okay, now do this, and now do this, and now do this. Really and he gives us big, you know, he does gives us, give us big sort of like bigger vision sort of a thing, but we just have to follow each step. And that whole, like, part of that came out of one girl that we met downtown who was just like, we were all just like completely busted up by her. She was like 19, I think, if she was telling you the truth. She had been abandoned at 24 days old, and then she was just bounced around in the system with, you know, relatives back into the system, and then kind of spat out at the end with nowhere to go and nothing to do. And here we find her, you know, on the corner. And she was this, like, young, beautiful thing who still had dreams of being a fashion designer and having her own store she still cries when we pray for her. And that's sort of one of, the, one of the signs that I see of, you know, the longer they've been there, the more they have had to build up this dissociation and build up this protective, you know, shell around them that they don't necessarily get emotional when we pray for them. But she was still so raw. And I went home that day and I just fell on my knees and prayed for her so hard. I, it was one of those days where I try not to carry people around with me because it's just I can't I I can't go long term in this thing if I do that but her she was with me on my back in my heart everywhere when I went home and I just fell to my knees in my bedroom and I just started crying and praying and saying God just intervene like get her before it's too late you know pull her out of there not that it's ever too late but it's just at that point where she's still so fresh it's it's easier we we were given some great advice early on (laughs) Um, when we first started out in this ministry to other people that have been in it for quite a while and the first thing they said was don't take them home like physically take them home to your house because <laughs> which... they did that and and it did not it was it was very hard on their this whole was probably one of the hardest ones oh not to just pick her up and take her home just come with me get in my car let's go yeah we're leaving now uh but the next week was the easter weekend and we found out from some of the other women that um there's a group of nuns that every year they do a retreat for them And so she had gone on this retreat. So she wasn't there. And then the following week after the retreat, we went back and she still wasn't there. And I said, has anyone seen her? Her name was Carol, I think, if that's her real name. And I said, has anyone seen her? And one of the ladies said, oh, she went on the retreat and she never came back. I think she stayed with the nuns at the convent. And we have not seen her on the street since. So I continue to pray that that is what happened and that she and they, the, our team was going to investigate and see if they can find out who these nuns are because we need to know them and find out if she is actually there and what's going on with her. So, yeah. So that's kind of where we're at. <laughs> so continue to pray for us specifically for that as we constantly as we walk through this stuff, we, you know, we always joke, we never know what we're doing. Which, which is kind of a good place to be in because then you have to trust God on what you're supposed to do and you don't get too kind of thinking you do know what you're doing. We really cling to that whole God, you know, equips the, the called, not calls the equipped. Because <laughs> we're definitely not equipped for this. Definitely not. And speaking of not being equipped, the other thing God has walked us into is starting a business. <laughs> if anyone who knows us... <laughs> That's that's ridiculous, Um, but here we are. So we have we just managed. I think there's a. Did I put a picture in of the coffee? Okay, there it is. So this is our 
coffee. It's birthed. It's like, we did a thing. Look, it's like we had a baby. Like, look at this. It's very good It coffee. is very good coffee. We don't actually have any here today. We have green beans that we're going to work with Claire. She's going to roast some for us. So we hope we can have some for people to taste at least. Um, the name. So the name of the coffee, I'm going to help you pronounce it. It's Alfohia. Alfohia in Portuguese or in, in Brazil specifically I guess the, mo- the closest word that you would have in English is emancipation. Alfohia is what, when people were given their freedom out of slavery, they were given alfohia. And so that's where the name comes from. When you say it to Brazilians, they go, oh, and it like resonates deep with them. And so that is the name of the coffee, the aroma of freedom. And it's a fantastic coffee. And so we've really just done our first little batch had some roasted. We carried 45 kilos of raw beans in our suitcases back. I felt like I was going to end up on that show where they're like, can you open your bags, ma'am? And, but we looked it up. It was all legal. We didn't do anything wrong. I even said, do you have anything? We have coffee. And he was like, all right. Okay. And the little sniffer dogs are around. And I'm like, now's the moment we find out if this is really legal. And he didn't sniff us. We were fine. So we have 45 kilos of raw coffee beans. We've Brought into the country. So we all have no clothes, no nothing to wear. Because no, our suitcases, bring... suitcases were just full of coffee. <laughs> it's true. I keep going, I need some shirts. Literally, like all I brought back was, and I have like flip-flops and another pair of shoes and that's it. Now, a little background on the actual coffee itself. The people we're purchasing the coffee from yes, right. is right a really cool... Oh, do you want to do it? Or am I, going to I do can it? do it. Co- oh, it then. says Jen beside coffee. I know, update, but you weren't so... going to say anything, so I all had right. to say, jump in. Anyway. <laughs> so... <laughs> Back when we, when someone first kind of presented this idea to us, we were like, yeah, that would be really great. I mean, Brazil's full of coffee. Like, let's do that. Okay, first of all, we don't know anything about coffee. Uh, second of all, there's like a million coffee farmers in Brazil. Like, how do you even begin to find one that you're going to use? And so one day I was praying about it. It's like, God, I, I don't know how to find a coffee farmer. Like, you're going to have to find one for us. And I basically heard, Google Women Coffee Producers Brazil. All right. Googly goo, there I go. So I Google that. Up comes this association of women coffee producers in a place called Minas Gerais, which is in the south. It's in a really specific area that has some of the highest altitude and some of the best coffee in Brazil. And they're all women. So these are all small family farms who were doing it on their own and they were selling their coffee for like a really ridiculously low price. And then one woman realized, hang on a minute, we have some really good coffee here. We need to get together so that we can do together what we can't do by ourselves, which is have our coffee graded. So there's a whole thing that happens where some guy comes in, and he does what's called cupping, and he like does this slurpy thing with coffee, and he tells you how many points your coffee gets. That's, that's the extent of what I know about it. And <laughs> I know. I told you. We're we don't, such professionals. We don't really know what we're doing. But what, I, what we found out in this whole process is really the coffee we were drinking was really awful. It's full of, like, sticks and corn and stuff. And really good coffee should not be really dark black. It should be kind of like this, like, light color, which I used to call, like, chaffe, which means tea coffee, like, really weak, but it's not. Anyway, they all got together in this association, so now they can grade their coffee. Now they're selling their coffee at a really good price, like it's what they should be earning for this coffee. And they were so excited to work with us. So last year we were able to go down because we wanted to really, like for us, it's about relationship, right? It's not 
just about I want to buy your coffee. So we went down, we met them, went to the coffee farms. Deanna, who was seven months pregnant at the time, was like climbing outside of a mountain in a truck to go and see these actual taste coffee beans, like the fruit. And so we took a whole whack of coffee back with us and brought some here to Canada with us and sat and tasted with our friend who knows more about coffee than us. Went home like this. <laughs> we drank so much coffee that day. We were like, I'm buzzing. Are you buzzing? Apparently and you're supposed to spit it out yeah, when you taste it. Yeah, apparently when you do taste it, it's like, you know, when you do wine tasting, you're not supposed to drink it all because you get drunk. Well, coffee, you totally get buzzed. So, um, we <laughs> but we did find the coffee that we wanted. And uh, so we contacted them after. And it's taken all of this time to, like, work out all the logistics. And there's still more bureaucracy and logistics we have to work out. But we now have our coffee that we've been taking around to the pornography seminars and introducing it to the different churches so that hopefully either they pick it up there to offer and sell in their church and just to get them hooked because it's really good coffee. And if you're a coffee snob, you'll recognize it's like, yeah, we're now we're always we're talking about like flavor notes and things like that. Like we sound like we know what we're talking about. But it really is. It really is good coffee. Just ignore the Tim Horns cup under my chair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can't believe it. I just, I'm not even going to go there. Anyway, so with the coffee comes that Phil and I did a dangerous thing. We took a day off. Oh, gosh. And we were sitting on the beach, and then all these ideas start, start coming out. We have always, like having a business that feeds the project and offers employment to women has always been something in our hearts. If any of you know what Homeboy Industries is, um, if you've read Tattoos on the Heart, that's kind of the vein that we're thinking so our big pie-in-the-sky dream that, we're, that we really, you know, this is like, we hope God put this one in our hearts because it's really cool and we want it to work, is a cafe slash English school. So English in Brazil is huge. People want to learn English and they really want to be able to practice it with native speakers. Like if they overhear you speaking English in the mall, they'll be like, hi, you speak English. Can I practice with you? They're really like desperate for it. So our idea is called Immersion Cafe, and it basically would be a Actually, cafe. Gringos. Well, Gringos Immersion Cafe. As soon as you put Gringo on there, they're like, oh, there's Gringos in there. Luke doesn't like the Gringo party, doesn't think it's, he's shaking his head over here. So <laughs> the idea is that we have people who, you know, people like to do a gap year, they like to do a three-month sort of discipleship training experience, is we get people, like a steady flow. We don't know how this is going to happen again. We don't know. But People are coming down, but it's a great idea. People are coming down and they're helping to teach English and they're hanging out in this cafe. This cafe would be a place where you open the doors. It's like you're in North America. The music's in English. The menu's in English. The waitresses are speaking English to you. There's random gringos hanging around who will sit at the table while you eat your cinnamon buns and your, you know, other chocolate chip cookies, butter tarts, butter tarts and other North American sweet things. And they'll speak English with you. And in the meantime, we have a place that we can offer employment to women who are coming out of the industry because they need a place that is grace filled. You know, if something weird, like they're learning how to, how to act, you know, in a, in a more traditional environment, you can't yell at people, you can't stab your friends, things like that. (laughs) Those things have happened on the street. Um, and so they need a grace-filled environment where when things like that happen, someone's not just going to fire them, they're going to disciple them. And so that is our big God-sized pie-in-the-sky So if you know anybody dream. who's got a business-side mind and wants yeah. to come to Brazil and start a new business, then... Or help us fund it. Yeah. Let us know. Tiny plug. <laughs> so that's some of our future plans. 
And as Jen said, we, we, the coffee thing is kind of the idea is being sustainable so yeah. the ministry can help fund itself because that's ultimately our goal is to work ourselves out of a job so we can move on to something else. But right now, we're it. <laughs> so, so what do we need? As we move forward into the, into the central core and the brothels that we're looking to get into, it's, it's a really dark, dark kind of place. So we need lots of support in prayer. Um, we just need constant lifting up for us, for the team. Because as much as we absolutely love what we do, it's heavy. It, it, it really weighs on you. The, the girl Carol that Jen was talking about, that one really just kind of crashed us for a bit. And you have to be able to shake that off and move forward. So prayer is, is huge for that. And then financial support. There's, you know, there's quite a few people in this room that have been with us since the beginning. This is like nearly 11 years of supporting us doing what we do. And we are just eternally grateful for every penny that people have given us. But as the ministry grows, our needs grow as well. We already uh, employ two staff that work with us. We would love to be able to employ more. As we reach out more in different areas, we just get stretched more and more with our resources. And... Unfortunately, the, the, the Brazilian currency, the hei at the moment, has kind of dropped. I was really hoping the new government were going to screw things up and it was going to send the exchange rate up, but it didn't. And unfortunately, because of like everywhere, the cost of everything has changed by, it's gone up by like 20, 30%. Yeah, probably, at least. So now, I mean, God math, we've never got enough money coming in. More month than money. <laughs> yeah. Every year, we've managed to get through, and we've made our budget, and we have uh, you know, unusual gifts that come in, and people support unexpectedly, which is fantastic. And, but we can't rely on those. So we need more of monthly committed supporters, people that want to join in with our team, join in with all the other people that have been with us for, for all, this, all this time. So we need those to be able to come on board and just be part of this, because without them, without the financial support, and with that financial support, people are just... They're, com- they're connected and they feel a part of our team, which is exactly what they are, because we can do none of this without, any, without you guys. Uh, I mean, they've been through everything with us, the highs and the lows. And when we're in the lows, it's the people that support us and pray for us and love us. They're the ones that get us through. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, to be honest, you just pack up and go home because it's, sometimes it's just, it's just too hard. But those are the people that get you through. They're the ones that are just, you're there because they've made it possible for us to be there. So we need more of that. So that's, a, mm-hmm. that's our big need. So just sort of wrapping up and, and, you know, I started off talking about the weight of hope and the arduous journey that this ministry can be and are we getting anywhere? So when we were doing our uh, pornography awareness seminar, we had a few pictures because we're, it's an opportunity for us to share about the ministry as well to all these churches. And, uh, these pictures were, were, were going up and it was actually Wellington that was talking about the ministry and I was sitting looking and he pushed, he puts up this one picture on the street and I'm like, she's not in it anymore. She's not in it. She's not. She's not. They're, none, of, none of those girls in that photo are, in, are on the streets anymore. And then he, another photo. She's got a job at a hotel. She's not in it anymore. Either is he. And another photo. And it was like, oh my goodness. Like, it's like this realization that, whoa, there's a lot of women that we know that we still have relationship with. We know they're not in it anymore. Like God is doing, I'm claiming that for Jesus. <laughs> Yay, God, right? It's amazing. 
Um, I mean, one of our high highs in the in more recent kind of times, and I believe we, you showed the video in the church a while back, was uh, uh, one of yeah. the girls we've been working with for a long, long time. When we first met her, she had the, the ankle bracelet from the prison wrapped in aluminum foil because that blocked the signal so they, she was allowed she could get out of the house without them knowing She's about it. She's very resourceful. She saw on YouTube apparently. She's very um, smart. And it worked. So we've been working with her for a long time and she decided she wanted to get baptized. And I, I said, I think you saw the video, but it was like by far the best baptism I've ever been involved with. <laughs> Very, the wettest one too. Yeah. We all got baptized that Literally, day. Literally, we're wave. in the ocean. As we dunk her down, this massive wave comes <laughs> Which over. Which you saw just, coming, by the way, and didn't warn me. Well, I was trying to get you to your chit-chat. You can see like it in usual. the video. You're like, there it comes, there it comes. She's chatting away, chatting. I'm like, we're, gonna, we're all going to get taken out any second. Yeah, we, we managed did. to get her in we just did. before the wave hit and then it just smacked all of us. It was <laughs> she awesome. was like, Jesus really wanted me to get baptized today there was no escaping that water but that was a day where it's one of the high highs that was just the most amazing day just that one little thing was just oh mm. my gosh and speaking of mothers she is having a baby in september um and i am studying to be a doula and you know so i she's gonna be my first one i'm gonna be her doula and i'm so excited she's having another boy so pray for her she was working lost her job Again, these things that happen. So just pray for her as she's uh, really learning how to trust God in these in these really hard moments. I mean, but she's come a long way. She has come a very, very, very long way. And it's yeah, it's awesome. We love her. Another mother that we met, she met we met this woman uh, the first day on the street. Some of you uh, may recognize her. We have a little video that we're going to play. Um, she was in the documentary that we showed a few years back. She was one that was willing to be interviewed. And her life has gone through some pretty incredible changes. So we're going to just show that little video now. I was surprised because when I got here, I saw that there were these little hearts with beautiful verses and there was one for each one of us. And so each one of us had these, one of these little letters. From that moment, we were really happy. We liked Jen and Phil. We were all really happy. We already adore them. It's wonderful. When they come, we already feel like different people by the time they leave because they bring a positive energy for us, you know? They pray for us. It's a good thing. Sometimes when we come here, we come with other thoughts and they transform things. We arrive so negative and they don't. They bring something so positive for us, so we find it to be a good thing. We're very happy with their presence here. I would like it if they could bring more people here too, because what they do is only good for us. Because what they're wanting to do for us is help us, you know, to help take us out of here. Because it's not good for us here. We are here because we want to be. It's a necessity. There are other choices. We could sell drugs, steal from people, but here we're not doing those things. And those things could mean we end up in jail or dead and our family suffering, our children suffering. So we work here. It's not because we want to. It's because it's the only choice we have.
cry again. She's going to cry again. <laughs> keep, uh, keep Camila in your hearts because she's, you know, she's off the street and her husband's doing a great job of trying to look after them, but she's still got a lot of struggles. She's got a, a daughter that has a heart condition, so that's a struggle. And she also has a brother that lives with her that suffers from schizophrenia. schizophrenia. And he really doesn't like us. Oh, he does not like us. <laughs> Whenever We've been over there a few times, and one time he just kind of really had a yelling fit at us. And then the last time we were there, we found out after the fact that he was in the house with a knife wanting to come out and stab us. So pray for him too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's things like that that we remember on the days that it's really hard, on the days that we feel like are we really, you know, we're seeing the same girl over and over again on the streets. It's, it's days like that, or it's moments like this that help us to remember that, you know, it's like when you, when you were in kindergarten and you planted that little bean and you didn't see anything forever and forever, and then finally something starts to sprout up. We just have to remember God's germinating, you know, something. And we don't, we don't always get to see the outcome like we do, that like we have with her and with La Nina. Sometimes, you know, they're just not there anymore. And we just keep praying for them. But it's moments like this, so those situations that we just hold on to that uh that just keep us they just keep us going so yeah keep praying for us keep praying for all of these women and um something else to be praying for is in september we have a team coming down oh yes that's right Woohoo! yeah yeah. yeah, pray for them. They're going to be coming down and just kind of joining in with what we do. And uh, we've got some pretty exciting stuff planned for why they're down. Yeah. And just, yeah, I think in closing, you know, one of the things that we sort of try to do and the whole reason for the name of our ministry is that we're, we try to hold hope for them while they can't. And so I guess for, for all of you in your own lives, you know, when you look around the people around you, you know, you, do, you don't have to move across the world to like do what Jesus is asking you to do. You can do it in your own backyard, your own front yard, on the street, wherever. But who is it that God's calling you to hold hope for? Because hope is one of those things that if we lose it, it's really hard to take any kind of steps forward. It's really hard to keep living. So just ask yourself who Jesus is wanting you to hold hope for and then uh, step into it. And that's it. Thank you guys so much. It's always such a blessing to come here. And it's so good to see more and more seats being filled up with new faces. That is awesome. When we come back, it's just, like I say, all we get to see is the back of people's heads. And now I get to see the front. The front of your faces. But yeah, I just invite anybody, um, you know, if you're needing prayer today, if you are lacking hope and really need somebody to hold it for you, please feel free to come to the front and get prayer because it, it is very powerful. Prayer is powerful. Thank you. Thanks, guys.